0: 6.30 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 6.30 Chad. Dramatic victory for the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. They score two goals in the final six minutes and up end the Edmonton Oilers four, three to take a two, one series lead in the best of five. So the Oilers will be facing elimination when the puck drops at four forty five on Friday afternoon, the official game sheet at the moment has given that goal to Taves. Looked like Ethan Bear had his stick in there, and he looked frustrated after the play. But uh, either way, Chicago gets the win. The Oilers led it 3-2 after two. The clock was ticking away. Edmonton wasn't giving up a lot of opportunities. And then Highmore with a tip. And Taves with a deflection as well. And that smells spells doom for the Oilers tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 11.38, overtime open line for Century Casino, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Well, Rob, a lot to dissect tonight. Uh, some goals laid in periods, some penalty calls that I think both teams have reason to be unhappy about. It looked like the ice wasn't great. This evening, but ultimately two point shots. And there's actually been a few point shots that have gone against the Oilers in this series with either a deflection off an Oiler or by a Blackhawk. And it's those two point shots that ended for Edmonton tonight.
1: Well, the Blackhawks understand how they have to play against Edmonton. Uh, they're not going to match them in a foot race. They're, they're not going to create a whole lot. So they're playing a very, very simple hockey game. They're getting the puck to the point and they're crashing the nets and they're just putting pucks on net. They're getting rebounds, they're getting tips, uh, getting screens. Uh, they, they have a very simple game plan. They got I know that everyone talks about the uh, the Stanley Cup pedigree and some of the with veteran Warriors players. Coach
2: Dave Tippett here to take your questions. We're gonna, We're gonna go gonna to Dave Tippett Center here at Rogers Place okay. with Jim Matheson
3: of Post Media. Uh, Dave, can you assess the game you killed all those penalties, but you end up losing the, the uh, game in the last four minutes?
4: Yeah, just two uh, two deflections that go in. One, uh, we didn't play a puck very well off the wall, ends up a uh, shot that redirects, goes in, and then uh, the last one lose a draw, and just a simple puck thrown to the net, and it happened to f- deflect off Bearsie sticking in. Our next
2: question comes from Rob Tichkowski, Post Media. Uh,
5: You you fought through a lot of adversity. Uh, I mean, a lot of it was self-inflicted with the penalties, but you still had a lead with with five minutes to go. Is this one of those where you thought you deserved a better fate, or if you take that many penalties, are you kind of... uh...
4: Well, you're you're, temp- lose. you're you're tempting fate when you take penalties, especially when you got penalty killers taking penalties, and that. So, you tempted fate, but we we got the goal at the end of the second period. In actual fact, the third period's rolling along, and it's uh, you know there's not not much happening in either end. So you're rolling along, and then we made a couple mistakes at the end that ended up in the back of our net on on just deflections. That those are ones that you know they're. You get a deflection that goes wide sometime or hits a goalie, these are deflections that have found their way in. Our next question
2: is from Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic.
0: Uh, Dave, what did you see on the uh, Tyler Ennis uh, hit there? And uh, obviously he skated off with, with uh, having one leg up. Uh, any assessment on his, on his health?
4: Uh, he's been evaluated, so we'll know a little more tomorrow. Uh, the hit was... Yeah, it was a hard hit i thought it was a similarity to the yamamoto hit on murphy that there was a call earlier but that's uh there wasn't so we'll just uh we'll see where he is tomorrow we'll take uh, two questions from jason Greger, tsn 1260.
6: uh dave first uh, your thoughts on larson do you think he'll be available for friday
4: uh, he's unfit to play today we'll re- see where he's at tomorrow
6: and uh, w- with Ennis out, uh, obviously, you, you had to ju- sh- juggle your lines a little bit. Uh, is Athanasiu a guy that you'd like to g- give a longer look to if Ennis can't play on Friday? And, and uh, w- who would you look at maybe to come into the lineup if Ennis can't play?
4: Well, Athanasiu is a guy that's certain we'll look at to move up, but uh, and then we'll figure out who's coming in on the bottom end if uh, if Ennis can't play. We got think- We got options there. We haven't decided yet.
6: Give me your thoughts on Russell just, you know, stepping up and having to play his offside, hasn't played there as much this season. Yeah. Had a really good game.
4: Plays hard. He's a smart player. He plays hard. We threw him in a tough situation tonight there. Kind of a late, uh, um, you know, late when Larson uh, came out. So he jumped in and did a did a fine job. The uh The penalty he took, the five on three, I didn't think was a very good call. And, uh, you know, that's unfortunate for that one. But he jumped in in a tough situation and played well.
6: A very different start to this game compared to the other ones. Do you feel it was more of a cautious start from both teams? you obviously bounced back, was 1-1 after 20. But did you like your start overall or would you like your team to be more assertive?
4: well i i think it was they jumped out a little bit we knew they were going to come hard but you're you're looking to uh you know both teams were playing not safe but but you're playing to uh get your get your feet under you in the game you know and they they uh you know i thought that that's the way the first period went both teams were were playing not cautious but not taking a lot of risks either and that's the way the game started our next question is from Rob Tichkowski, Post Media.
5: How badly do all those penalties sort of take you out of your rhythm just as players and as a coach for guys who
4: uh, aren't on the PK and it's not a power play? It's exactly what I told our team after the second period. You isolate a lot of people, and then you're trying to – your penalty killers are getting lots of work, and now you're trying to get everybody back involved after it, and it's, uh, it's not ideal, that's for sure.
5: Now, some of those penalties, like, is it – Discipline, something that you guys need to work on, or are they calling it a, a little ticky-tack for the playoffs?
4: I've watched all of them. There's some of them uh, I thought were good penalties, and some of them I thought were poor penalties. Thanks. Okay, we'll take some questions from Zoom. We'll start with Ryan Rashad,
2: TSN.
7: Dave, uh, they seem to be a common theme with them generating some offense from the blue line pucks back there. Um, it's happened in, uh, in in pretty much all the games. I'm just wondering if there's something that you guys maybe aren't doing or whether it's shooting lanes or whatever it is that they're able to generate from the back end the way they have been.
4: Well, you look at the last goal is just the player's wide. He just shoves it at the net. It's not even going very hard and it deflects off bears you stick. So, I mean, you you can throw pucks to areas and it's hard to get in the lane. The the third one, uh Cass thinks he's in the lane. He's not in the lane. And uh, the first one of the game is uh, we're just out of the lane also. So you're, you try to get in the lane the best you can. And uh, if you can get it blocked or get it to where the guy doesn't shoot it because you're in the lane, that's ideal. We didn't do that enough tonight. There are no more questions. Thank you, Coach. Thank you.
0: All right, that's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. The Oilers beaten tonight 4-3 by the Chicago Blackhawks, so Blackhawks up 2-1 in the best of five. And, uh, well, obviously another huge game on Friday. The Oilers must win to stay alive and force game five on Saturday. Rob, uh, he was asked about the last couple of goals, and he said on the third goal weren't able to play the puck properly off the wall, and then Cassian, uh, the way Tippett worded it, thought he was in the shooting lane but wasn't, and that one got through to tie it up. Good tip by Highmore as well.
1: It was a very good tip. I thought Heimors had a very good series, considering before this series, I don't think I ever heard his name before. Uh, But an effective hockey player, uh, yeah, it's in close games, late in the game, you have an opportunity to get the puck out. You have to get it out because if you don't, you give them a scoring chance. And obviously that one went in. In shooting lanes, we, we've talked about I think you and I were talking about it before the game, the importance of shot blocking, how how big it's become in, in today's game. You've got to put your body in the way. You've got to get in shooting lanes because when you don't, uh, anything can happen. And the one player, they talked about Cassian not being in the shooting lane. That's a, a reason we believe that he hasn't been on the penalty kill the last couple of years after being a mainstay for a long time. Is, uh, shot blocking is not a forte for, for him. And uh, when pucks get through, bad things happen. We saw that in the in the third period there. Bad things happen for the Edmonton Oilers because they weren't able to get pucks out and they weren't able to get into shooting lanes.
0: And like I was saying earlier, Rob, b- before Tip came on, Chicago has, has several goals in this series on on point shots. Some they've deflected. Uh, I mean, Saad and Kubelik each had a nice deflection goal in game one. Uh, Mata scored in, in game two on a shot that went in off Russell. And obviously the, the two tonight, Mata scored uh, from the point back in the first period again. So I don't know what's, what's going on there, if they're just better at, at getting those shots through than the Oilers' DR, because a lot of their offense is coming starting with a shot from the point, whereas Edmonton seems to be coming more off uh, either on the power play or doing something
1: down low. Well, Chicago is doing a good job of not being a perimeter team. Uh, they're not staying on the outside and trying to make pretty plays into the net. Uh, it, they have a simple game plan. They, they shoot pucks any chance they get. They get pucks to the point, and they know that when the puck goes to the point that it's going to be coming through, so they crash the net. They look for rebounds. They look for tips. They look for screens. Uh, it, it's a very, very simple game game plan. When you are an underdog, underdog in a series, when you are a team that is probably a little less talented, which the Blackhawks are, you simplify your game, and you just try to play the perfect, simple game. And through three games of the series, the, the Chicago Black, Blackhawks have. They've they have excelled at what they're trying to do. It's not pretty, uh, but it's been very productive. And uh, the others are going to have to do a much better job of, of, of simple things. They're going to have to do a better job at winning face-offs. They've lost too many big faceoffs i don't know what it is now three goals four goals in the series that have come directly off lost faceoffs the others got to do a better job of boxing out in front of their net too many times the screen is getting right in front of the goaltending goaltenders and and the players are getting their sticks on pucks whether it's deflections or rebounds and the last one is they got to do a better job getting in shooting lanes in game 2 the oilers were incredible at keeping the puck out of the net by putting their body on the line. They weren't as good in game ones and three.
0: Those will be our adjustments of the game for the Alberta college and association of chiropractors. If it hurts, you, a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. Going to be a lot of debate in Edmonton over the next couple of days. I think about who starts in goal, Rob, I, I, neither one of us are goaltending experts. It's uh, it's almost a mystical position in some ways. I just felt tonight, Yes. Koskinen made some good saves, but, man, he was, to me, almost overplaying shots because you saw him off to the side and then trying to get back into position. Even on the Taves goal, I, the the one in the, at the end of the first period, I know it was a weird one, but he's way off to the left, and the puck is, is dribbling across the goal line, and he still couldn't get back in time to stop it. He's lunging to stop it. I, I didn't think he looked as steady as he did uh, as he did in game two.
1: No, and there was a couple other ones that bounced off him. When Koskinen's on his game, everything just swallows up into his body. He's very effortless, and it looked like there was a lot more effort in his game today, which is never a good thing for a goalie. To me, what it comes with for goaltending for Game 4 and Game 5, and I said it with Bob and Jack, whoever you feel is your goaltender to win Game 5, whoever you think is the guy that's going to give you the best chance to win Game 5, he has to play Game 4 as well. Um, I wouldn't split the goalies unless game four goalie doesn't play well or, or whatever but whoever you think is giving you the best chance to win the game has to play both games uh, the, you can talk fatigue you talk whatever but Kerry Price is going to be playing Back to back games. Uh, Corey Crawford is going to play every game in this series. Most teams' number one goalie is going to play back to back in the playoffs. So to me, I'm not splitting the goaltenders this weekend. I'm not putting one guy in and then I'm going to go back with the other guy in game five because that's who's going to win it for me. Whoever you feel as a coaching staff is your go to goalie to win you a hockey game, he has to play both games this weekend.
0: All right. The Oilers fall 4 3. You can reach us at 780 496 0063 to call or text. We'll get To Mike and Arnie on the phone line when we get back. More post-game reaction as well. Overtime open line, courtesy Century Casino. Paves in front, deflected puck swatted away from Kovalik. Drive, Keith. A great save made by Koskinen. Maybe his best of the night. Coskinen save the game for Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, head to sentinel.ca. He needed a couple more stops. The Oilers lose 4-3. They blow a lead in the last six minutes of the third. Sean texting in. He says, uh, when are the Oilers going to learn that trying to protect one-goal leads for an entire period is death? Nursing one-goal game's home for a whole period never works. The Oilers keep trying to do it, and they get burned 9 out of 10 times. Just keep playing your game and go get the next goal. Uh, this has been an issue for three seasons now. They sat on a one-goal lead tonight for a whole period and got what they deserved. Simple, Tave said the exact same thing to start his post-game press conference. That is from uh, from Sean. Yeah, well they they needed to, uh, they needed to put it away. I, I thought they did okay for about the first twelve minutes of the period, Rob. Um, but then, yeah, Chicago got the two. I, I don't know if they went out there with the mentality of, of nursing the lead, but I mean, if they get the fourth one, it's it's probably lights out.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think they really sat on it. They, it was. I thought, as you said, the first twelve minutes were pretty good. Uh, the Hawks weren't getting any chances. They, I um, mean, were pushing forward, uh, but they made made two mistakes. Uh, they they didn't get a puck out, and they didn't get in a shooting lane. And when that happens, bad things uh, are going to end up into your net. So uh, there's no coach that I've ever played for who's ever said, okay, I want you guys to hold back in this period. I just want you to play strong defensive hockey. Don't push for it. And this is a team built on extending the lead, not sitting on it. So uh, I just it was it, it was one of those things. If that bounces off of Highmore into Koskinen and there's no goal, you think that, the, oh, the Oilers played a pretty good third. I mean, nurse, the, nurse the lead home. But unfortunately for them, mistakes came back to haunt them. And there were a couple other ones. I mean, they got lucky Taves uh, had one off the post with a wide open net off the exact same play. Yep. Shot on net and getting a guy in front and, and rebound. The, the Blackhawks are putting numbers in front of the net. They've got two or three guys there every time because they know as soon as the puck gets back to the blue line, get to that. Don't look for an offside pass. Don't look for he's going to throw it back down in the corner. He's throwing it at the net. And the Blackhawks have done a very good job of causing havoc in front of both Edmonton goalies.
0: Well, and I think the Oilers have to do that. And how did they score... Uh, tonight, no, not a point shot on Drysaddle's first goal, but keep a puck alive and have three guys down low. And then, you know, Matt Benning, after the Chicago turnover, just puts it towards the net, bounces around, Drysaddle gets gets the rebound. I I, I know Edmonton, uh, did they wind up out shooting the Hawks? Yeah, 28-25. I, I still feel like the Oilers have to defend, as you call it, defend their house a little better. And I know the Oilers... You know, had their chances, but I still think the Hawks are collapsing a little bit better and having their players collapse inside the hash marks better than the Oilers are.
1: I agree with that. I thought in game two the Oilers were excellent at protecting the house. That's why they had so many blocked shots because they had five guys back in the, the, the trapezoid area and every time someone shot from the point or shot from the outside, it, it didn't. Ha- it, it never got to the goaltender. It had to get through the first layer of the fours and it had to get through the second layer of the defenseman. And then finally, if it got through those two, it got to the goaltender. They weren't as good tonight, and you, you know that when there's rebounds, and there were a ton of rebounds. But most good offensive teams are, are good at finding pucks around the net because they hang out around the net. And the Chicago Blackhawks tonight, that's all they did. They hung out around the net, and when you're defending and the puck bounces off the goaltender, your defenseman, that puck's coming out, you don't know where it is. And the offensive player has the, the advantage. And the and the Blackhawks tonight outnumbered the Oilers down low in front of the net. And when rebounds came out, they were quick to pounce on them. And they made trouble for the Oilers. The Oilers have got to be much better. And it starts first by getting in a shooting lane, not allowing those pucks to get to the net.
0: Troy says, didn't Highmore's goal go off Nurse's leg? Otherwise, it goes right into Koskinen's belly. That It, it, there, it may have been deflected twice, Troy. I yeah, have to take another look.
1: And, it, and that's why you throw pucks on net. Simple as that. I mean, when a defenseman is shooting, he's not shooting normally to score. He's shooting to get to create an opportunity. And uh, it—I've—I've I've played with defensemen that have shot uh, at, the, at the other team's players' legs on purpose just hoping for a rebound to bounce. If there's no shooting lane where I can shoot it on net, I'm going to shoot it off someone's shin pads down by the net because that puck bounces. No one knows where it goes. It turns into a scoring chance. The Blackhawks were just hungrier around the net tonight. They found the rebounds. They hopped on them, and the others got to do a much better job uh, blocking guys out and taking sticks away. A good defensive team, when the puck is bouncing around, they grasp on Stick over stick. So now you may be able to see the puck as a Chicago Blackhawk, but you do not have the stick to be able to put the puck in the net because the defensive player has taken that away from you.
0: Hawks take it 4-3. It uh, That last goal, it, it, I mean, it definitely went off Ethan Bear, but it is credited to Jonathan Taves. Maybe it brushed his stick on the way in as well. Mike on line one. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, just a couple things.
7: Like uh, I think if, if we can find some discipline, we can extend this st- series. But in saying that, there was two holding calls tonight that were questionable at best. And I sort of want uh, Rob's take on, you know, the difference between the dock hit on Ennis and the Yamamoto hit on Murphy. Murphy scores the game-winning goal, and uh, Ennis has to leave the game. It, to me, it looked like both hits were similar, where both guys saw that a hit was coming and turned and got hit anyways. And one ended up being a two-minute boarding call and the other
1: one
3: just
1: ended up being nothing mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the Yamamoto I mean to me it was right in the back in the numbers and, and he saw the numbers he could have held up I think on the, the Ennis one Ennis was coming one way and Doc was playing him to go shoulder on shoulder and Ennis turned his body at the last second and it got hit and it and, it wasn't the, the upper body that hurt. Obviously, it was the knee, and I, and I didn't even notice it at first, but I guess it was knee on knee or leg on leg. Well, and that's his leg twisted under him when he fell. Yeah, so uh, to me, I, I didn't I, – I mean, the players on the ice didn't have a problem with it. At that time, Dave Tippett didn't say anything during the game to complain about it. I thought it was a clean hit, um, an unfortunate one, obviously but uh, you're right it certainly could change the complexion of the game when the the guy that's uh, through, they took the first hit from Yamamoto. Puts the puck on that at the very end. And this is going to be a loss for the Oilers. He's been playing well. He made a nice play with dry Settle early in this hockey game. The Oilers are now going to have to shuffle the the deck a little bit, try and find a little bit more magic on that second line. I
0: think it's a good question by Mike. I checked the rule book for for boarding, and by the way, the NHL rule book is 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 online. If uh, it's a little wordy in places, but the referee has discretion to decide whether or not he thought a player turned at the last moment and that hit couldn't be avoidable. When I first saw the dock hit on Ennis, I, I thought it was also going to be a penalty. Um, th- there were some odd calls in this game, certainly the Russell holding call. I, I, I mean, Rob, you thought it was holding. I, I thought he's pushing I, him, trying to, keep I, to stay alive.
1: I, I thought it was holding in a regular season game when it's five on five. I don't think it's a penalty when you're already shorthanded, I don't think that's a penalty you call to make it five on three. I that, and I said that at the time too. That's that's not a five on three call. A five on three call is when you take away a scoring chance or it's a, a violent hit. That one wasn't enough of a hold for to put a team down five against three. And the I thought the the. One on Archibald, I thought that was a terrible high sticking call. The one on Double A, I didn't think. Well, that he I, I, didn't do anything. He just bumped no. into Kane. That one was a bad one, and then there was one against the Blackhawks. Well, the Cat and Benning yeah, punched the, each yeah, other the, in the face. <laughs> yeah, and he got a slashing. And ball. he got they, a, never they both
0: me. got slashing. And, and unless there was something beforehand, I I, I think that was a makeup call because at that time. No, but most of the... I mean, Archibald body-checked Kubelik without the pocket. That's a dumb dumb. penalty. Both of Yamamoto's penalties were not good penalties. Nope, you're right. So it was not... uh, There's calls you can debate both ways, but this was not an officiating loss for the Oilers. They put themselves in some bad situations.
1: Yeah, and you can't afford to... um take that many penalties and think to win, to win hockey. And the others are at their best when they're rolling all four lines. I mean, guys get lost in the shot. Like, I mean, Cassian, I don't know what his minutes were tonight, but I never noticed him out there on the ice because he doesn't play either specialty team.
0: Cassian so played sudden, 620. You know what? Yeah. Actually, Larry texted in if Cassian should come out. I don't know if they do that, but he is... Uh, I mean, I, you need the wrecking ball, Cassian, in the postseason.
1: Well, that's the problem. I mean, you're looking for what Cassian's capable of bringing. And I I don't think you have players out of the lineup that can do what Cassian is capable of doing. I think this is one where, as a coaching staff, you talk to Cassian tomorrow. You pull him in and say, hey, you know what? This is what we need out of you. I mean, we're doing do or die now, and we need this from you. Because we, we know how effective Cassian can be in a hockey game, how he can change the complexion of a game with a big hit or with a ferociousness, and we haven't seen it yet. Now, I don't blame him as much tonight because simply he didn't get on the ice. He didn't get on the ice because the Oilers took too many penalties.
0: Oilers lose 4-3. We have Arnie on the line. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, thanks
3: for taking my call. I, uh, I was just calling. I'm a uh, big time Oilers fan, and uh, I kind of reflect what uh, Mike said earlier, only on the, the uh, Russell call earlier. And um... hello, yeah, we're oh. here. Keep going. Oh, oh, sorry. And um, I also called uh, about the Montreal Canadiens and uh, Petrie. What a what a great goal Petrie scored. Oh, that was fantastic. That and, uh that I have a beautiful little bit of goal. a thing for, for Bob Stoffer. He, he picked, uh, he picked uh, uh, Pittsburgh to win in two originally, and then he strung to three. Now, I know there are only two games left, but could you ask him to please predict that uh, Pittsburgh will win one more game?
0: Sure, Arnie. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Thanks. Appreciate it. So,
1: Well, I know, Reed, you, you watch a lot of the games on during the day. That was an incredible shot by Petrie. Like, to put it exactly where he wanted to put it with very little room, that was a wonderful goal by the former Oiler.
0: All right, Oilers fall 4-3. couple of late goals for the Blackhawks to pull it out, and the Oilers will face elimination on Friday. You'll hear from McDavid and Nurse when we get back. we got Jamie and Dean up next on the phones. Overtime open line for Century Casino. All right, Oilers fall 4-3 to the Blackhawks. As we check your scoreboard, courtesy Edmonton Trailer, looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to Edmonton Trailer. Dot com. Here's what happened today. Avalanche beat the Stars 4 nothing in a round-robin game. The Canadians, as we talked about, beat the Penguins 4-3 to lead the series 2-1. Panthers over the Islanders 3-2. New York still up 2-1 there. Coyotes over the Predators 4-1. Arizona leads 2-1. And the Lightning are 2-0 in the round-robin. Bruins are 0-2. Lightning beating Boston 3-2. 780-496-0063. We have Jamie on the line. Jamie, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead.
3: Hey, guys. Hey. Um, uh the one thing I was thinking about was uh honestly they played a little dirty in the second period and they were just pushing the envelope a little too much. You could tell they were really pushing the fact that their special teams were better. And then and then uh Kevin Bietz said on the on T V there but it was killing them just the right handed uh face off man on the penalty kill. And, you know, the the one theme that's been going on here three games is Chicago's point shots just keep going in. And the harmless plays, but they're obviously the the Oilers, as a, as a five-man unit, they're not defending that point shot well enough. And there's been way too many of those in the three games. And obviously, like, there, he hasn't had playoff experience. And, you know, he's got to learn how to defend in different situations, but
0: That's all I got. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jamie. Rob, you got anything there?
1: Well, I I think Bear was excellent tonight. I mean, that's just bad luck, complete bad luck. But I thought Bear was excellent. He's had a a very, very good series. The Oilers do have to do a better job at defending the point shot. They haven't gotten into the lanes, and he haven't taken away sticks in front. That's something they're going to have to work on before Friday's game because it's become uh, the theme for the Chicago Blackhawks through the first three.
0: All right, let's head back to Roger's place. Here's Connor McDavid and Darnell Nurse. You know, you lose on a
8: very fluky goal as the game winner, but a lot of unnecessary penalties. And uh, I guess I would ask you about your execution. What did you think about the way your team played tonight? Um,
9: Yeah, I mean, we didn't get off the start we wanted. I thought we took over the first period after um, they got one. um, And then just far too many penalties. The refs are calling lots of stuff. We know that. Um, just have to be more discipline. Penalty kill did a great job keeping us in it. Um, get ourselves back in the game and in control of the game. And then, you know, two shots from the point that I end up in the net. They end up.
3: This is for Connor. Connor, how did you see the play with uh, Tyler Ennis and Kirby Doc from uh, your your vantage point?
9: Um, I don't. I don't like it. Um, Yamel takes. Yamel hits a guy from behind. They call the penalty. Um, you know, Doc hits him on the numbers and his leg gets caught up. And I get you can't call a result, but, you know, hits him square on the numbers. Um, you know, same type of penalty that, that Yamel took earlier in in the period. Um, you know, you feel for a guy like any. Um, you know, just unfortunate play. His leg just gets caught up underneath him. And, um, and we're
2: all thinking of him. The next question comes from Rob Tichkowski, Post Media.
5: I, uh either one. You guys do this great job fighting through all that adversity and getting a lead late in the third period. To lose it like that on a fluke, I mean, like any game three loss is gonna be tough, but how heartbreaking is it to know that you almost pulled that one out of the fire.
10: I don't know if uh I don't know if heartbreaks the word. It's a long series. There's still two games to be played. Um you know what we, we battled like like you said before, we battled and um you know, put ourselves in a position at the end of the game that uh, we kill the one, but uh, some bounces going, some bounces go the other way, and we gotta just respond, come here Friday and uh, play
2: our best game. The next question comes from Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic.
0: Uh, for both of you, uh, look, comment on each uh, position.
3: You had a couple of guys not play and then leave. Um, Darnell, how did uh, Adam Larson's absence affect the, de- the defense? And for Connor, how did uh, yeah Mo- or sorry, uh, Ennis leaving uh, affect the forward group?
10: Yeah, obviously with uh, Lars is a huge part of our group. He, he comes in, plays heavy every night, puts his uh, puts his heart on the line every night. So, um, you know, you miss him, but, you know, Jonesy stepped in, made some good plays, uh, played solid in there, and um, got, as a decor, tried to make up for some of the things that we didn't have with, with Lars.
2: Um, obviously, like he said, it's missed. he's missed for sure. Um, we gotta get ready for uh, the next game. And our next question comes from Jason Greger, TSN 1260.
6: Connor, the the first period seemed—I don't know if "cautious" is the right word for both teams—or there, there wasn't a lot of flow. It really, obviously picked up in the uh, in the third. Uh, you guys have had two excellent starts uh, in the bubble, and two maybe that you'd want more. How would you how would you rank maybe the play in the first period of the group overall? Yeah, I didn't love the start,
9: um, you know, but I thought uh, you know we did a good job battling back. Um, you know, one one. Um, you know, they get a five-on-three goal, you know, whatever. Um, you know, what I, I, I like that we battled back and, and were able to catch it and, and uh, you know, kind of switched how the momentum was going. And, um, you know, that's a good sign.
0: All right, that is McDavid and Nurse as the Oilers lose 4-3. They're down 2-1 in the series. Don't forget, if you had a 50-50 ticket today, you can get the number off the Oilers' website. Just click on the, uh, click on the links there, the expected jackpot. $2.7 million. $2.7 million. Oil country, Alberta loves the 50-50. Adam Larson was a uh, late scratch tonight. Well, at least the Oilers announced it right before warm-up. Caleb Jones played his first NHL game, or NHL postseason game, got in for 944. Uh, we'll give him the fourth start tonight for White Eagle Homes. Built from the homeowner's perspective with thousands of personalization options, visit WhiteEagleHomes.ca. We will go to Dean on line five. Go ahead, Dean.
7: Hey guys, how's it going? Good. You guys get a fifty-fifty ticket? I did. Yes. Yeah. Good on you. Check your numbers. It's uh, not looking good on my end. Okay. So, uh, so the the story today, like again, another another game. Tons of penalties. I don't know if it's maybe because they went for such a long time. Uh, a little bit of sloppy stick play. Do you guys think uh, there's anything to look into? Maybe like maybe the atmosphere without fans being there. There's less pressure on the refs. They're calling more. They're seeing more on the ice. They're not as distracted. They're not in the game as much. Do you guys? Do you want to bite on any of that? Or that's a good. I think it. That's that's it's a, good, a good, question. good question.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's much easier to yeah. to call a, a penalty on I mean, the home team question. when you're not getting booed. <laughs> Or any team.
0: Yeah,
7: I I just find it odd. I feel like it's not playoff hockey. I feel like there's a lot of plays. There's a lot of things. I mean, it's not a perfect world right now, obviously. You can only ask for so much. But today's game, with all the penalties, it just seems seems slow. And kind of what you guys were uh, talking about earlier, like there's no flow. Cassie plays six minutes on the fourth line. That's my cat. Sorry, he says it's up. But, uh, yeah, he plays six minutes on the fourth line. And uh, it's just... It's just a little... It just seems choppy. It just seems like it's not fast-paced hockey. And again, there's a long break, but I don't know. Well, I don't t-
0: much to read into it. No, I think you're right, Dean. Thanks for calling. Today's game um, didn't have a lot of flow. The ice really seemed to be not in very good shape, or at least maybe not as good as you would hope. Uh, I, I, th- I was actually optimistic that the ice would be fine, even though it's hot outside. And, and Brian Burke made a point on Bob's show that... A lot of times it's it's fans coming into the building and all that heat that that can ruin the ice but i think we, there are some issues and probably with nine periods of hockey and, and all that kind of stuff it was it was sort of a choppy game i mean it was both teams that's not why the or lost. you got to figure you've got to figure it out but it was with the penalties rob i think with the ice conditions um it, it wasn't it wasn't a beautiful game so to speak it was a bit more like let's control the bounces and, and try to get one in
1: well, I agree, and playoff hockey, what you expect, I mean, let's you look back to the, the last time the, playoff, the playoffs the Oilers were in when they played Anaheim, there was animosity, there was hatred, it was mean, it was nasty. Uh, I mean, you'd have to more or less knock someone out before the ref called a penalty. Well, the Blackhawks don't play like the Anaheim Ducks did. The Blackhawks are not a physical team. Uh, they play, I wouldn't call it a soft game, but they're, it's a, they're a quiet team. And you you throw that in, so there's not the the physical play by either team in this series. Um, and then the, the the penalties. I thought it was an off night for the refs. Uh, that's the, the the five. I go back to the five on three penalty. That's not a five on three penalty in a playoff hockey game. It, it isn't. And the the penalty that they gave Double A. I mean, he may have put his hand out but that that happens on every single play there I just think there was a lot of soft calls in a hockey game with such importance that you're you're the referees tonight were part of the outcome or could have been part of the outcome when you give was it nine power plays in a game so yeah I agree there's not a lot of animosity in this series and the referees tonight I think had an off night
0: Oilers were one for three on the power play. The Blackhawks one for six. They got that big goal late in the first period. Jonathan Taves at 1955, the one that, uh, well, really the pass was broken up and it went off his stick. And that's the one I referenced earlier where with how slowly that puck was moving, I was surprised Koskinen was that desperate to try to get back to stop it, but he couldn't. $75 $75 donation tonight to 630 Shed Santa's Anonymous from Ascendant Financial. When the name of the game is life, there's Ascendant Financial. Visit coveredalberta.ca. They're giving 25 bucks for every goal the Oilers score this season. You'll hear from Dry Seidel and Double A. Rugged is up next on the phone line. Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Blackhawks take it 4-3 Highmore scored at 14-13 of the third to tie it Taves at 18-44 to win it Leon Dreisaitl two goals and an assist tonight for Edmonton but the Oilers will face emil- uh, elimination on Friday 4-45 game time our faceoff show will start at 2 o'clock Rob we had Dennis Savard on the faceoff show tonight uh, see if you know this one who are the two players taken ahead of Savard in the 1980 NHL draft
1: <laughs> um, I have no idea. That Doug is Wickenheiser and Dave ago. Babich. Oh, I, Dave Babich—he's a—he's a buddy of mine. He was a really, really good hockey player. Doug Wickenheiser didn't turn out as well as they'd hoped.
0: Rick knew that. He gets a prize package valued at fifty bucks to enjoy a fast track indoor karting, safe, adrenaline-pumping fun. Fast Track Karting Edmonton.com We have rugged on the line. Go ahead, rugged. Hello there. Hello.
8: I I, I had a first question, but I thought of something while you guys were talking there, while I was waiting. Sure. Can I ask that first? Yeah, of course. Okay, um, big fan of Ethan Bears. Like, I, I, I think it was in his rookie year. I don't remember who he was fighting. It was against the Ducks, but he was wrestling with somebody in front of the net, and he blocked the shot of somebody right in front of the crease, and he knocked the puck away. And I was just like, man, this kid, he's always in a fight. He doesn't give up. Like, I, I, I want to say he was wrestling Kessler and he blocked a shot from Getzlav, but who knows what it was. But he, 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 he's not scared; like he's not scared at all. I love it. I love it. Do you think on that on that tip that bad luck goal was he trying to stay out of the way or was he scared of engaging Taves?
1: Because Taves is a pretty strong
8: dude too. I bet.
1: In all honesty, it's hard to say because we we don't get to see hello? hello we don't get to see an overhead hello. picture of that. It, so it, it normally when we're in the arena, we get to look from up top and we get to see the plays develop, so you can tell what he's thinking or what he's trying to do. But when you're seeing it on TV, it's a little harder to to see where he should have been or what he was doing beforehand. Um, I. I I thought it was just a good play by Tave. And I think Bear just got to the party a little late and the puck was able to get through from the point. That's the biggest thing is you can't allow the puck to get through from the point because it can deflect off your own player like it did on Bear. What was your other question, Rugged?
8: Um, last one is an easy one. Who replaces Ennis in your guys' each opinion?
0: I'd put Nugent Hopkins back on that line, personally.
1: I think it's time to do that. I agree 100%. Okay. Newton Hopkins plays with dry Thank settle. You. Thank um, you very much. Who would you put? Who Who would I put? Yeah.
8: If if, if I was Tippett, honestly, I'd put McLeod in there.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Well, that's, well, that was I did not expect that. and I, I don't think they'll put Ryan McLeod there. I mean, I think uh, Patrick Russell or Joachim Nygaard will dress uh, next game with Dennis out. I, I would reunite that line. Uh, I might even put Neil with Archibald and, and McDavid.
1: That's exactly what I would do, Reed. I do the exact same thing. And then I would bring I would bring Russell in, but that's because you and I are big fans of Patrick Russell. But I, I like what he brings, and you put him. If you move Neil up from the the, the fourth line, that's a big uh, physical line, and Russell would come in and take that spot. He could play that style of game. I I think RH and, and dry settle, uh with Yamamoto was the best line in hockey for a while. I say you reunite them and you put Neil back up with McDavid and play it that way.
0: And, and I and I know. Maybe then they, they just key on that line, but that that line was getting keyed on and it was still outstanding in the second half of the season. Uh, oh, I mean, I know Neil on and Chason have been good together, but... Let them key on
1: that line. Then that means they're not keying on Connor McDavid. So go ahead. I mean, all the best lines in hockey get keyed on. So... Throw, throw your best out there. And the, the Oilers' best line they've had all season long was Leon with R&H and Yamamoto. They're in a do-or-die situation. They they have to win the next two games. So, to me, play with your best. What was the most success you've had this year? That was it. Put Neil back up, give him a shot playing with uh, McDavid. I think Neil's actually had a pretty good series. I think he's earned that chance. So, that's the way I would do it. But um, we don't get a say in the lineup on Friday night.
0: Uh, this texter says, do you guys think there's something going on between 29 and 97? Connor seems peeved these days. Uh, no, I don't even know what you're seeing that you would think that.
1: Connor's got seven points in three games. He doesn't seem that upset. <laughs> and if he is, then get him mad all the time. He's having a great playoff.
0: I think he was mad last game because they lost game one. And he's mad tonight because they
1: lost game three. Yeah.
0: All right, let's go back to the rink. Here's Dry Seidel and
3: see you. Leon, you killed all the penalties, Leon, and you still end up losing the game. It looked like you would get through it with all the penalties. Is this a very shocking loss, considering it looked like you guys might even win empty net 4-2? Uh,
10: yeah, I mean, it's obviously uh, disappointing, no question. Um, but we, I think we have to be a little more disciplined. Um, I mean, um, you know, it kills, kills the flow of the game with the penalties. Um, but um, Yeah, I mean, it's obviously an unfortunate loss. Um, So, yeah, gotta make sure we win the next two. The next question comes from Rob Tichkowski, Post Media.
5: Yeah, Leo, just following up on that discipline thing, is that something that you guys need to adjust to, or are they calling it maybe a lot closer than you would expect the playoff game to be called?
10: I'm not gonna comment on the refs. Um, We we have our power plays uh, too, so, um, yeah, we just, I mean, we got a great penalty kill, but, uh, you, you know, it's obviously very taxing on those guys, and, um, like I said, it kills kills the rhythm a little bit, but, um, I, I mean, in this case, it probably wasn't, um, you know, the main reason why we lost.
2: Our next question comes from Daniel Nugent Bowman, The Athletic.
0: Uh, Leon, what, what did the... Uh... The impact of losing Tyler Ennis have on you guys that obviously a uh, guy on your line and then up for, for Andreas uh, getting a chance to to uh, to ultimately fill that spot what did that do for you
10: yeah it's obviously uh you know disappointing it's it's sad that um you know he had to leave the game uh I thought he was a great great addition to our team uh hopefully it's not too serious and um yeah I think our team is deep enough that you know we can we can compensate on uh for for everyone so um double-a played a great game again so um yep yeah, just gotta like i said try and try and win the next two here
2: our next question comes from jason Greger, tsn1260
6: andreas in a game like this with so many uh Penalty kills. You're not a penalty killer. You're not on the first unit power play. What do you do to stay in and on the bench? And then for both of you, uh, were the ice conditions getting bad? The puck was bouncing a lot tonight.
9: Um, I think you just gotta do whatever you can. Just keep the legs in it. Uh, keep your head in it. Obviously, when the time goes by, you gotta stick with it. And uh, you know, obviously, those are unfortunate plays that happen when you, you know, have to take those penalties and and play those PKs. But uh. You know, it's part of the game and, you know, my job is just to be ready whenever I'm on the ice. So that's uh, that's the main thing. What was the second part? I forgot that.
6: He says, was the ice tough tonight?
9: Uh, I mean, it's, you know, both teams are playing on the ice, so it doesn't, doesn't really matter. It's uh, whether it's good or bad, both teams have to play on it.
2: We're going to take some questions from Zoom now. A reminder to raise your hand on the Zoom application. Okay, we have, we'll take one more question from uh, upstairs in the media center. Uh,
6: sure. I guess, you know, Leah, now it's uh, the first real must-win game of the season. Uh, you know, you've been in that situation before. Your, your team responded in, in 2017. How, how do you approach it the next few days to ensure that you come out uh, hungrier or more disciplined on Friday?
10: Yeah, I mean, I think we all know <laughs> the the situation that we're in here right now, so um, yeah, we got to prepare for um, to uh, back to back, I guess, and um, yeah, just whatever it takes to to win two games in
0: a row. All right, it's and Athanas. See you as the Oilers lose four three to Chicago. They face elimination on Friday. Whenever Edmonton scores five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village goal light on the Oilers page on six thirty. chedcom You'd be able to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at a Japanese village steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Book at any of their five locations at jvedmonton.ca. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text tonight. It's 1232. We're back after the break with more overtime open line for Century Casino. Late goal by Jonathan Taves. And the Hawks come from behind to beat the Oilers 4-3. And they are up 2-1 in this best of five qualifying round. Thanks for staying up. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. On overtime, open line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is our number. Uh, Dursa texting in says, "Our defensemen not taught to be tight to forward. Seems like Chicago is redirecting a lot of punks in the paint and doing it often."
1: That when I used to stand in front of the net, read I used to hate when a defenseman would put his stick over top of mine and just lean down on it, which all, all of a sudden you were stuck, you couldn't move. Um, I know that sometimes they change and they have the f- defenseman stand in front of the forward to try and block the puck, but whatever way that the others want their defenseman to to defend, the Oilers didn't do a great job of it because there was too many times that the Blackhawks were able to get sticks on pucks, get rebounds, redirections. Uh, that was what killed them. It's killed them in this series. The the Blackhawks have a simple game plan and they're playing it to perfection.
0: Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Joseph on the line. Hey, Joseph. Oh, hi. How you guys doing? Good.
7: And this is you guys, that's had the game that I enjoy it. I uh, totally enjoy uh, Rob Brown's comments because of him being an ex-NHLer and not only that he scores to many goals with Mario, but he is very, um, he, he, he knows the game. Anyway, so um, this is tongue in cheek, so take it that way, please. <laughs> the Oilers are really good at firing their coaches no matter when, so they should get rid of Tippett and uh, put Rob in there because for some reason Rob <laughs> knows that uh, Nugent and Settle and Yacobo were tearing up the league, and for some reason playoffs come and they're not playing together, so I don't know. Don't understand it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. I, that's why I would have together as well. Uh, I, I... Dave Tippett has forgotten more about coaching than I'll ever know, um, but I, I really would like to see that line reunited. And to me, there's no better time than Friday, Friday late afternoon, because the Oilers must win two in a row. So to me, play your best, and that's the, that was the Oilers' best line all season long.
0: Yeah, and the, and the reason they did it, a couple of people have texted as well. Why why did they break up that line? The the thinking is is that you give McDavid a a really good complimentary player on his line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And I think that's why McDavid produced so many, part of the reason why McDavid has produced so many points is because he has Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Having said that, then it it weakens the other line. So I think you put them back together and then hope that McDavid can create a little bit on his own or, you know, is still going to be deadly on the power play whenever they go on the power play. But yeah, I mean, you can't you can't play around any longer, and you know what that line can do. If if you throw them together and they're not good enough in one game, well, then okay, you went with your best combination. But I, I think we have to see that combination on Friday.
1: I think so, and I think that, I mean, Connor McDavid is the best player on earth. I think that he is capable of making the other players better around him, or he's capable of doing it by himself. So I think that Leon needs a little more help, and that's why he put R&H with him and find success that way. So uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition on Friday. But, I mean, in a perfect world, and if I was coaching, that's what I would do.
0: All right, we also have uh, Abbas on the line. Abbas, go ahead. Hey, guys. Great to hear your lovely voices. Um, I I had a question.
3: How are the owners supposed to win games with too many penalties? And the last goal was fluky. A lot of people online have been have been blaming Bear, but I think he did a tremendous job tonight. And I and who do you think will start the game next
0: game? All right, appreciate it. Well, yeah, I mean it was obviously a strange goal. I, I mean Bear is trying to get the the puck out of there, so he, obviously that wasn't. Uh, it was a bad bounce for him. Uh, I mean, yeah, they they are taking too many penalties. Certainly, a couple of the calls were debatable, but like like Archibald again, Rob. To go, Archibald body put, delivered a full body check to a player who was fifty feet away from the puck. I mean, you can't possibly think you're going to get away with that.
1: No, that was dumb. It was in in a game where they're calling everything. Uh, no, that was blatant, and uh, both the, the others, other Yamamoto's
0: were penalties. Um, yeah.
1: Yep. No, It's it, it was the Oilers weren't smart. And they, they've got to find a way to be smarter because they, they gave, they're giving the Chicago Blackhawks best players more opportunities. And it, it didn't cost them the game, but it certainly took them out of a rhythm tonight. And some of the Oilers players didn't get to play. Others would get over, overworked. Penalty killing is tiring.
0: Uh this texture says, "Hey guys, do you think Cassian is coasting after signing his extension?" Well, I I hope not. I just I just don't think he's playing well.
1: No, no, I agree. I thought he was better in game 2, and then to me, game 3, you didn't get to see him. It and that was because of penalties. So, I I think game 1 he was not good, game 2 he was better, game 3 was uh, incomplete because you never got to see him on the ice because of the penalties the Oilers took.
0: Yeah, and and it, like it, and it is a, it is a weird situation because it's not exactly a continuation of what was happening in the middle of March, too. I mean, we we got to remember that. So I don't think Cassian was sitting around for the last four and a half months thinking, well. Whatever. When we're back, I mean, it's it's just kind of it's just kind of a weird situation, and, and every and every team is in it equally. The twenty four teams are all in it equally, so um, you know that's not that's not an excuse, but you, it's it's hard to like. I mean, that's why we questioned what would happen with the Oilers penalty killing, because was it going to be the same that it was for seventy one games? The last two games, it's been good. Game one, it wasn't. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Levi says uh, Too many penalties all playoffs 13 last night between the Knucks and the Wild Well, You know what Rob it, Stoff mentioned that The first day That there were a lot of penalties in that very first Carolina Rangers game So I, I don't know what it is Usually there are fewer penalties in the postseason um, We've often said that With the Oilers special teams They, <laughs> they would want a lot of penalties Because they often won the special teams Throughout the year I don't know. I mean, there was a – I can't remember who wrote it. There was a book, Scorecasting, that came out about 10 years ago, and it was two sports writers that studied a whole bunch of stuff, like how pitchers or how batters approach certain counts and how golfers are more aggressive on par putts than birdie putts. And And one of the things they said about officiating was that there is home advantage – with officiating, that just the human nature is, and it—I it, mean, it could be 0.2 of a penalty over the course of a season, um, but it, that it often does favor the home team. There, there is no home team here, so I mean, I, I don't know even what kind of where to begin analyzing that. But there are—it seems to me there are more penalties than a usual playoff year.
1: Well, I, I'm just looking at tonight's game. There was—it was an off night for the ref. There's probably. Four penalties, three or four penalties tonight that should not have been called, and uh, and probably in some of the playoff series that we saw the last time the Oilers were in the playoffs, are probably of the nine penalties called, there might have been two. Uh, like they used to put their, their whistles away. Now I don't know if there's uh, the National Hockey League has talked to the refs said, all right, we're calling it just like we do a regular season or not. But I agree. I I'm, there's and I have watched more than just the Oilers series, and uh, there's. Penalties that you don't normally get see getting called during playoff runs are being called and not only being called in the game, being called at important parts of the game. Like I've seen a number of games where there's been penalties called late in hockey games, giving the you know, the team that's trying to come back that extra advantage of trying to score a goal late in the hockey game. So the referees have not put their whistles away. Now, normally I agree, this will help the Edmonton Oilers, but tonight they were the more undisciplined of the two teams. They cannot afford to be that way Friday and hopefully on Saturday.
0: Yeah. Uh, this texture says, what do you mean penalties didn't cost them the game? Of course they did. They could have been scoring goals instead of killing pills. We, we mean the referees did not cost the Oilers the game. They they definitely took ill-advised penalties, and that texture is right. Then, So then, McDa- then McDavid's not on the ice. And you mentioned Cassian. Then his ice time is messed up. Athanasio's ice time is messed up a little bit. So, no, the penalties were costly to the Oilers, but I, I wouldn't say uh, the officiating was costly to the Oilers, just to clarify what we're talking about. Uh, we'll do one more segment after the break. You can still chime in, 780-496-0063, Century Casino Overtime Open Line. Mata, Seidel and then Taves in the first period. Seidel and McDavid in the second period. The Oilers had the lead. They still had the lead with six minutes left. But then Highmore at 14-13, Taves at 18-44, and Chicago steals it. 4-3 is your final. They lead the series two games to one Reed Wilkins Rob Brown it is 12 minutes before 1am thanks a lot for staying up the next game is well tomorrow Friday we'll have a 2 o'clock face off show puck drop at 445 Oilers must win to stay alive and force a fifth game on Saturday we have Rob on line one go ahead sir
8: hey guys
7: thanks for taking my call I'd just like to say with the Oilers being the bigger team that they should if they're going to take penalties maybe take a penalty because you're hitting someone or it just seems that the hawks are you know walking in and being more comfortable with the team what are your thoughts
1: well i thought the Oilers were very good in game two at being physical uh, i think they would hit the, the blackhawks at least two to one the Oilers are bigger they're stronger the blackhawks don't play a physical style of hockey and it, it, for me it, the Oilers are successful when they get pucks in deep and then they get physical on the Blackhawk defensemen. That's when the turnovers happen in game two. That's how they created offensive chances. Uh, the others weren't physical tonight. And that plays into the Blackhawks game. The Blackhawks want to play a, I wouldn't call it a soft game, but a quiet game. And they, they got that tonight. And the Oilers, if you're going to take penalties, you're right, make it a punishing penalty. A lot of the Oilers' penalties they took tonight weren't punishing. They were ticky-tack that all they did was give uh, a couple of very good Hall of Fame hockey players and Taves and Kane the, the man advantage without any physical pain to go with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this, this is a weird one to talk about. And, uh, you know, a couple of people have texted in and said, basically, the Oilers didn't play that bad, funny bounces. And, and certainly the, the, the Taves goal with the two-man advantage. I mean, it was really a play the Oilers had broken up, right? And, and Dreisaitl actually knocked Taves to the ground. <laughs> but the puck skitters in again. I thought Koskinen was out of position on it, though, and then a couple deflections in, in the third period. They they just couldn't close it out. They needed to find an extra goal or an extra stop somewhere. So uh, Tyler Ennis is hurt, Rob. So we'll see what happens with him. We'll see if Adam Larson returns. And again, back to a big decision in net. I I don't know, Rob. My my gut is telling me we see Smith in Game Four.
1: Um yeah I, I i could see that happening that's dave tippett is a big fan of mike smith dave tippett needs a goaltender to win him two hockey games um that would not shock me but to me whichever goalie that they choose is the guy who's going to play both games I, I wouldn't split them i whoever you feel is going to win the the sudden death game on friday has got to be the guy that's plays again on saturday so to me whatever goal you pick will play both games
0: well that's a good point i mean if you win if you win game four then you you would you'd think it's going to be the same guy in in game five unless it's a triple overtime game or something like that
1: even that it doesn't matter i mean cory crawford's playing both games true so so to me whoever you feel is your best goalie who's going to give you your best chance to win you're playing both games you're not playing saving a guy for game five by resting him on game four because you might not get to game five
0: all right rob i'll talk to you friday afternoon man
1: Appreciate Looking it. forward
0: to it. That is our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Well, the Oilers need it on Friday, 2 o'clock face-off show. Puck drop at 445. We have it for you here on 630 Ched. They now trail the Hawks two games to one in the best of five with a 4-3 loss tonight. Get more at 630 chedcom globalnews.ca. Stoffer as oilers now from noon to two. I'll have inside sports from six to eight. Overtime open line is presented by Century Casino. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great night.
4: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.